Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Back to throw versus Danny. Back to throw versus Danny. Back to throw all right, what's up? Welcome to Canel and Bell hanging out on a Thursday. Yeah. A lot of stuff we got to get to. Kevin Durant's out there making news again. What? Yeah. Your what are you top, looking your at? Tie is phenomenal. Okay. I knew it was sweater weather, but I didn't know it was like sweater shirt. It's high weather. You should see the tweed coat that I put on over it. Professor like, Danny Canel. Yeah. Okay. Let's Fair do well, it. I was working with Brady Quinn today and oh, yeah, right, right, it up anytime yeah, we work sure, with him, Mr. Sure. GQ around here. So yeah, I just kept the time because I had to do a little hit. Still, I like it. I like it. So why not? Yeah. And it is sweater weather. But before we get to Kevin Durant, I think I have a job that I could do really well yeah you watch ray donovan i'm into ray donovan Dude, i love ray donovan you I could be a I cleaner could, i think he'd be a cleaner fixer whatever you want to call it i really? think i would be fixer is a better word for it. it yeah you just kind of go behind the scenes you take care of everybody's problems it would be awesome see i don't know that i could clean but i've always had this thing with my wife there was there used to be a show where they dropped you off like and you have you were getting hunted by the fbi and you had to fall <laughs> all the way off the grid i'm fairly confident i can do that i don't know that i, I can fix well yeah you could because you're not addicted to i could go off the grid like I am. correct like I'm right. my phone i'd be like ah i gotta make sure i call somebody i gotta tweet something about where yeah. am i i would get found in a couple minutes for sure but i think i could be a fixer i think that'd be a good one um all right kevin durant yep. so he was uh doing an interview with bleacher report with rick buker and he was asking about lebron playing with lebron because every lot of people are speculating would he go to the lakers after the season and play mm-hmm. with lebron so he had a couple comments that really kind of caught everybody's interest Couple of them I'll give to you. So when he was discussing playing with LeBron and his, uh, uh, just his perception in the media, he said he has so many fanboys in the media. And he said, you know, talking about being his teammate. So I get why anyone wouldn't want to be in that environment because it's toxic. So that's one you're like, a little oh. jelly. A little, it sounds a little, a little, little envious, so. a little jelly on I that. Think so yeah. Too. Okay. He's not done. He goes in because there's a lot of speculation. Maybe Kawhi Leonard was sure. going to play with LeBron or still could after the one year with Toronto. If you're, then so he calls him out specifically. If you're a younger player like a Kawhi, trying to pair him with LeBron James doesn't really make sense. You wonder, is that him maybe potentially creating, keeping that spot open for him or is he Borderline really trying tampering to? again? <laughs> yes, do this exactly. a lot. So because of some of these comments, some other players were asked about it. Rudy Gay, Tyson Chandler, you know, current team. Uh, yeah. They were a little bit more diplomatic about it. Kyle Lowry said it's the LeBron effect. I think it's a very real thing. I think it is part of playing with LeBron, but I also think you get to play with one of the best players of our generation. So you kind of have to take the good with the bad. It's a trade off. Um, when, when you're playing with a guy like LeBron, there are a lot of things that take place on that team per LeBron's request. Um, you know, like when I was in Cleveland, you're talking about routes to the floor for family members had to be changed because, you know, Le- LeBron didn't necessarily want to have to go through all the family's kids and stuff like that. And look, rightfully so. Like if LeBron's headed out to a court and he's got to stop and shake hands with 25, six year olds, like he can't do his job effectively. But there's a lot of that behind the scenes stuff that goes on, um, when people are making concessions for a talent like LeBron. And so it's a very real thing. It can inconvenience other people. Um, I do think that there are probably some fanboys out there. I think, oh, 100%. you know, a lot of reporters grew up as fans of the sport, may- maybe not necessarily being able to play it, so you cover it. And so you're naturally going to be a fan. I-, I don't really see... Some reporters' careers have made because of relationship with LeBron. Cor- you're not you saying know, any like, names, though, no, right? You're no. Not, you're <laughs> I mean, everybody kind of knows. But yeah. It doesn't make him any less of a reporter, no. but that's like kind of what you're hinging on. So, of course, LeBron was asked about it. So yeah. I think he had a pretty diplomatic response. Here's what he said. I believe that's probably not the whole quote, so I'm not going to comment on that. Um, 
You know, I, I would I love to see the whole transcript of what, what was asked of him, uh, the context that was asked of him. Uh, why it was asked and the whole the whole thing. So I'm not going to comment on it because I'm not um, knowledge. I, I don't know the whole thing. That's that would be stupid yeah. on, my, on my part. Yeah, I'm a it's a really smart answer. I mean, yeah. LeBron is a very smart businessman, basketball player, all of it, and that was the perfect answer. Let's get to the basketball side of it yep. though, because here's here's what does happen with LeBron, um, and it happened to me. It's this is a young player versus older player. It depends on where you are in your career. When you are a young player and you are trying to cut your teeth in the NBA, you're trying to carve out an identity, trying to figure out what tier of NBA player you are. Do I have the potential to be a star? Am I going to wind up being a journeyman? Am I an integral part to a championship team while I'll play for the Lakers my whole career? Like that has to be sorted out when you first come into the league. And so, you know, bad teams usually provide a good platform for you to figure out who you are as a player. Mm-hmm. Gives you the freedom to do certain things. I went to Philly right away. We were playing in the in the playoffs, vying for a championship. Allen Iverson had the ball. There was only one role for me to accept. That was to defend. Now I went to Dallas. Steve Nash, Michael Finley, Dirk Nowitzki, Nick Van Exel. Only one role. Defend. Right. Then I go to Utah, like in my fourth year, they've lost Carl Malone and John Stockton. All we have is like a young Andre Karolinko, a young Carlos Arroyo, myself, a young Carlos Boozer. So there was a platform for me as a player to explore a little bit of offense, see if I could handle the ball. Uh, can he be a tweener, two guard, or one? The answer to that was clearly no. But the platform was there for me to explore my game, and I started to score a little bit. Now here comes the choice between continuing to do that on bad teams or going to play with Steve Nash, um, Mari Stoudemire, and Sean Marion in Phoenix. And at that point, it just so happened that I could get paid and try to win a championship. Yeah. So it made sense for me. But what it did to my game was it stagnated it. And it turned me into like a spot-up shooter. It was the best thing that ever happened for my career because I wasn't good enough to carry a team. But that will, that's what will happen when you go to play with a guy like LeBron who is so ball dominant. Steve Nash, the best part of Steve was what he could do with the ball. He had to have the ball. Stat had to have the ball. There's no ball there for me. Okay. So when you go to play with LeBron, you're going to be relegated to a supporting cast role, whether that means spot up shooting, rebounding, defending. He's the best player on the planet and his teams win because he has the ball. So it's a very real thing that a younger player who thinks he can be a star and is burgeoning on like stardom might not want to go play with LeBron because it could stagnate his development. And he's always going to be under that shadow. Correct. I think there are two impacts that it has and there are two different type of players. There's a star player like you're talking about and there's the role player. I think all of them have infinitely more pressure, media pressure, pressure of LeBron's expectations because he is such a great player. I think yeah. it puts a lot of pressure on the team oh, around him to play hard, to play better, to always kind of be hard on them. And I think you've seen some guys succeed in that role and other guys have completely folded in that role. Kevin Love was one who I don't think was real comfortable playing in that role. And I think that's why he wasn't as productive in some of his years uh, with the Cavs. But as far as the, the superstar player, mm-hmm. I think instantly, and you saw D-Wade do this, and I thought it was kind of corny but necessary like he said i am handing the keys to lebron this is his franchise but you have to do that and and then as the role player you kind of have to just accept all that comes with playing lebron my question for you is what impact does that have on kevin durant specifically he's the one saying all this stuff about lebron and it's hard and this and now who wants to do that do you think that means he does not want to play with him? Or I do. This, you do? I do. And I think Kevin Durant... I, I still think he's going to L.A. Well, here's the deal. Kevin Durant knows more than anybody what it feels like to go, maybe not to play with LeBron, but to play, to join something that's already established. Mm-hmm. He joined Golden State, and he's forever ad- answering questions about whether, like, his championships are tarnished or, you know, you understand what I'm saying? He joined an already established entity and won championships. I believe that Kevin Durant does not think LeBron is better than him. 
And I, I believe want that. Him to. I, no, no. Hey, look, right. I do. Look, good for he him. is as good a scorer as we've ever seen on the planet. Mm-hmm. Like, period. Um, LeBron, for me, does other things that make him better. But I'm with you, Kevin Durant. And so for that reason, I don't know that he would want to buy into joining another already established thing, which would be going to the Lakers. And I'm not so sure that he doesn't want to be the face of whatever he does next, which would be somewhere other than the Lakers or Golden State. So I'm not so sure that he wants to sign up to go play with LeBron. LeBron can get, though, the star. You you touched on Mm D-Wade. D-Wade won championships already. D-Wade was already secure and established with who he was as an NBA player. Legacy not already written, but clearly was going to go down as one of the top two guards ever to play the game already. Mm-hmm. That guy will go play with LeBron. See, he's secure in who he is. That's about Kevin Durant because he should be secure. Like he's got championships now. He is one. Except of the they're not. They're not. They're, <laughs> they're, there's always going to be a stigma attached to those championships because right. he joined an already established gold. For people to get off of that. And for him to be the guy that you're talking about, yeah. he's got to go win him. Do you think LeBron ever changes? He's 33. No. Like if he get, he's not changing. 34, 35, he wouldn't say, "Hey, KD, I will take a backseat role." Oh. Like, will he ever do no, what Dwayne Wade did? Because D Wade was always was slack. Like he was the guy, and then he got to a point in his career. He's like, "I want to win championships, so I might have to hand over." Does LeBron ever do that? Saying it and look. All right, two. Like, two <laughs> yes. Let me unpack that real quick. Yeah. Two things. Um, LeBron, I, I, Le, LeBron plays a certain way. It's all he knows how to play. He's not a great catch-and-shoot player. He's a really good off-the-bounce shooter, but he's not great catch-and-shoot. Um, he doesn't really purely like to play the post. So to be off the ball would completely change everything he's ever known as a player. So do I think he'll shoot less as he gets older and maybe set people up more? Yeah, but will he be off the ball? No. I, that's who he is as a player. Uh, um, as far as Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade was clearly – um a lesser player than LeBron. Mm-hmm. As great as D-Wade was, LeBron was clearly the better player. When you bring anyone in to play with LeBron, he he doesn't see it that way. And it's it's not in your face. Like, the general public won't co-sign on Kevin Durant being better than LeBron. Right. So it's not as easy a thing as, as it was for D-Wade to say, okay, you're better than me. Take the ball. <laughs> right. It was you know a pretty I mean? obvious thing right. to do. Uh, obviously, all these comments, they are having some impact on guys willing to play with them. Paul George Passed the pick to stay in uh, OKC. Jimmy Butler didn't have the Lakers on his trade request yeah. list. Kawhi was supposedly more interested in the Clippers than the Lakers. All dudes trying, all dudes trying to make their 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 mark, their stamp. Yeah, They're, yeah. So I think I think it'll be interesting to see if if at some point LeBron gets to that point and what Kevin Durant does. Like it's going to be one of the biggest stories we cover after this season. Is does KD go to LA? I still think he would. Yeah. But hearing this stuff makes me like, why would he do all that? Why would he do that at all? Interesting. Like there's some teams out there, like major markets, right? Like Clippers, let's say. R- really good team. Like, yeah. Like really good right now. <laughs> Surprisingly, Surprisingly good. good. No real true star. Right. It's a place you could go and you are clearly that dude. You'll get him over the hump. Um, I've heard, uh, New York. What better place to resurrect something? You got Chris Dash Porzingis. You'll have a high lottery pick. Um, Kevin Durant. That, that's the start. You got Tim Hardaway Jr. and some, uh, Kevin Knox. Like there's some things in place there where that could be an interesting thing. And I, you know, I, I just, in my heart of hearts, I believe Kevin Durant. I remember that ESPN article that, that when the ESPN, the magazine where he said he was sick of being second fiddle, mm-hmm. like that'll never go away for me. Like you've won your championships, but now I think for his legacy, he's got to go out there and do it on his own. I think that's in the back of his mind. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, when you were playing in the NBA, did you, you obviously got fined. <laughs> do you know the exact considerably? Number? Do you know the exact number of no. how much money? Like is mm-hmm. it a hundred thousand plus or was it under the total? 
Um, let's see. I missed two games. Yeah, I, I game was, checks. Yeah, right? I could have been around 100k. That's yeah, I could have been maybe money. a couple. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So Ezekiel Elliott yeah. was fine. Remember on Thanksgiving Day, yeah. he went over because a couple years ago he went and jumped in the Salvation Army kettle. Correct. This time he pulled out 21 dollars, dropped it in there. He's like, hey, I'm going to give a donation. Right. Yeah. Everybody's like, that's eh, a great idea. Him, Dak Prescott, Jerry, like uh, they all uh, chipped in 21 thousand each, like yeah. to the Salvation Army. Really? All good stuff. Right? So dope. Yeah. You know what the NFL does? Oh, they yeah. say, hold on a second. That is using a prop. They have fined him $13,369 for unsportsmanlike conduct for that action, which is about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know what if I do is, and Zeke is appealing this, and he better win. Yeah. Uh, his quote was, I mean, I really didn't expect a fine, really don't care about that fine. It's all for a good cause, and we're trying to bring awareness to the Salvation Army. If the NFL doesn't like that, then, I mean, that's on them. I'll pay their little fine, which is a great quote. But they're the ones that have started a Instagram account to have all the celebrations, the various celebrations. Like, yeah. they're trying to capitalize on what everybody's doing. This is one of the better ones we've seen, and it's for a good cause. Who in the NFL office is that out of touch where they say, yeah, let's find that. Let's make sure we find him. That makes no – like, that person should be fired. That person should be fired. <laughs> I would second that. But here's what I'll tell you. First of all – um, how do you come up with an arbitrary number like $13,369? Why not like 13 racks? Why exactly. not 15,000? No idea. 10,000, 20,000. It's, it's like, some stupid so, number that's so ridiculous. Um, no fun league in, in full, in like in full bloom. Um, but here's what I'll say from my experience, and you touched on me getting fined. There are relationships, um, that, that you either develop or don't develop with the people in your league office, right? Yeah. Then there are, reputations that you develop within that league office. So let's say Ezekiel Elliott, for example, mm -hmm. me, for example, had some issues. Kobe, the Kobe situation. Right. Um, Zeke had his, Zeke had his issues. Yeah. I never once ever got the benefit of the doubt when it came to Stu Jackson or Kiki Vandeway or whoever it was at the time levying some sort of decision on my actions. It was always, and this is a very real thing. I mean, all right. Lami. Yeah. Came in uh, Toronto. Andre Bargnani runs me over. Boom. My leg winds up coming up as I roll back to get back up. Nobody thought twice about it. Next morning, I get a phone call from the league, Stu Jackson. Um, we're reviewing a play. What play, Stu? Well, there's a play at three minutes and so on and so forth. It says, uh, it looks like you tried to kick Andre Bargnani in the, in yeah. the, in the, in the marbles. Right. I'm like, what? I don't even know what you're talking about, dude. Like, he sends me the clip. I'm like, oh, dude, look, I fell down. My leg came up. I said, he said, we talked to Andrea Bargnani. Andrea said he had no idea what happened. I said, okay, so then what, you know, what are you calling me for? Two hours later, yeah, you're suspended. The reason why we couldn't be sure that you didn't try to kick Andre Bargnani in the marbles. <laughs> How about this, though? Same year. Mars Stoudemire goes to the basket. Bruce Bowen kicks his leg out from under him. Like, literally, you can see it on film. Tries to trip him. Like, he's behind the play, just kicks his out leg out from under him. We send it in. Um, we're waiting for the suspension. Call comes back later that afternoon. We couldn't be sure that he did try to kick Amari Stoudemire. But that's just reputation. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, and so, when you're dealing with a dude like Zeke, Zeke, you should know now. Whatever you do is under a microscope, brother. Like, I wound up knowing that. Right. Somebody use common sense in this situation. All right. So, there's a trend that's developing in college football. It's not surprising. Mm -hmm. Uh, when you consider some of the money, but I am bothered by it and I don't know what to do about it. Like, I don't know if there's a solution. So we just heard Hannah there saying LJ Scott's going to skip his bowl game. Yeah. Get ready. He's injured. Like, I have zero. If the guy's hurt, he can't play. So right. He can't play. But you're seeing more players who are healthy enough to play mm -hmm. saying, you know what? I'm not playing in the bowl. I'm going to go get ready for the draft. Last, uh, previous years, we've seen guys like Christian McCaffrey, 
Yeah. Skipped his bowl, drafted eighth overall. Didn't affect his draft stock. Correct. Leonard Fournette, drafted fourth overall. Didn't affect his uh, draft stock. Derwin James, same spot. First round, might be rookie of the year this year. Uh, skipped the Independence Bowl. Th- that was three players. This year, the length, the, lo- the, the list is growing. There are already one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players. Guys like Ed Oliver, who we saw his little run in with his head coach. Yeah, you thought he was going to play. There's no yeah, chance. Like, why that, why would that cat play? Uh, Rashawn, Gary, a jacket. Rashawn Gary at Michigan, uh, skipping the Peach Bowl. Yeah. That one's a little bit eye opening because the Peach Bowl is a New Year's Six Bowl. It's okay. supposedly a bigger bowl than others. Greedy no Williams. No consequence to me. Another New Year's Six Bowl, Fiesta Bowl. They're playing UCF. Like, come on. You got to go out there and go, go to bat with your boys. And then there's a lot of other bowls that are bottom tier bowls where you're like, all right, doesn't seem, you know, no big deal. Here's where it bothers me. Mm-hmm. And I and again, like I get the money. If I was their agent, if I was their attorney, I would say, what are you doing? It's a no-brainer. At what point, though, do you just stop playing altogether? Like, do you just skip an entire season? And at what point do you like want to play football just because you love playing football? And you want to finish something with your team? Like, so here's the way I would put it, because I don't I want to make sure I'm not ripping these players. Of course. Don't. Yep. Um, but if I was evaluating two players, mm-hmm. And they were pretty equal across the board. Same 40 times, same production in college, you know, all this. Then you start going to intangibles. Yeah. I'm probably leaning to the guy that stuck with his team and played with his team and finished out the season. Most of the guys you just talked about, I I don't, I mean, I think they're in the, they're at the level of not really having a peer, right? Like you're talking about guys that are potentially all high first round draft picks for the most part. Correct. Like, yeah, Ed Oliver, but like those, those three I mentioned, like Ed Oliver, um, Greedy Williams is probably going to be a top yeah. five pick. Rashawn, Rashawn Gary, right? Pick. But like, let's go with a guy like Debo Samuel. He's okay. played at South Carolina. Let's say there's another wide receiver type of player that you might consider taking late first round, second round, and then there starts to stack up. There's more guys that are available when you could say. So let's say let's say Debo Samuel came from somewhere in Mississippi where you know unfortunate circumstances had him in a one bedroom with like you know a mom and sure. and, and and four kids, and the difference between like. A high first round pick or a mid first round pick and a second round pick is, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand dollars versus if he blows his knee out. Right. All of those people stay in that, in, in that, right. In that place. Right. Like what that's, if, that's so the, the difference. Schools can, you can't, so as far as the money goes, you can get insurance policy. What are you going to insure? People can pay for. Like Ed Oliver might insure, but this kid, the, like the, the, are well, they going to insure the like, kid that's a borderline? That would be my first like solution to this problem. Right. Is, and maybe the bulls chip in because they're the ones that are going to be hurt. losing out. They right. should chip in because it's probably to, to insure a guy for one game. It's probably twenty thousand. It's probably a lot of money, yeah. but they should chip. That's in. a thought. Hey, like or that. So at the beginning of the season, schools can actually pay for guys' insurance policies. That's James interesting. Winston, Florida State pay. And that's not an impermissible benefit. No, they're allowed to because the NCA like they do a lot of things really dumb. But this is one of the things they allow because they've at least had the foresight to say, you know what, there are millions of dollars at stake. We can have guys that. You know, that might be better off skipping their entire yeah. So let's protect them financially. Now it doesn't take away the fact that this guy, you know, could have to rehab for a year. Well, yeah. Like, year what, what is a, what does a policy look like for, let's say, a, let, last year, Derwin James? Like, what's a policy for him look like? What does he net if he gets? So I bet he could probably get a $10 million contract, a $10 million insurance policy. Really? I bet Ed that, Oliver probably could have commanded a $20 million policy, but it's expensive. But again, the school can pay for it. And if you, it's that's provided he doesn't play football anymore. There are two different types of policies. You can get one, which is catastrophic career ending. Correct. Which is then he can't, if he wants to collect the 20 million. Get that. I never. 
to play again. If you do, you have to give it back. One out of Or you can have loss of value. Okay. Which there have been some players that have actually cashed on that, where if you were projected as a first rounder and you lose two or three million bucks because you dropped to the third round, they'll give you that as well. Okay. So there are some solutions. I just don't like that we're not even exploring any of them. Everybody's like, ah, well, I wouldn't play. Because at what point do you, and I get they're meaningless bowl games. I get that. But you're starting to see more, like, hey, these New Year's Six Bowls get, but I wouldn't be surprised if at some point soon we see somebody in a playoff and they're like, yeah, playoffs cool, but it's not $20 million. I'm not getting any money for playing and winning a championship. I don't, see, I don't think you'll see that as much as you think. And I think that it speaks to and supports you and everybody else who's lobbying for a, a bigger playoff system in, in college football. Like there's really no incentive to go out there and play in the daggone Peach Bowl against UCF. There really isn't. Like, what, right. you give me a swag bag? Like, I get to say I won the damn Peach Bowl? Like, I don't care. Right. Like, I get to go to the gifting suite? Yeah. You know, there's some cheerleaders around. Like, Take there's some Xbox. stuff. Yeah, you got Xbox. Yeah, you go out and, 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 like, mess with the dance team. Like, like, seriously, what's the what's the incentive there? So, uh, like, but if I'm playing for something, like, if I have a chance to win a national championship because, you know, they're 18. But my question is, what time does the money just become so great that they're like, I don't care about a championship either. Like, I don't care about finishing the season. I don't care about it. There wouldn't be as many as you think. I think, I think when, when you're talking about competing for something, you'll get a lot of guys invested in that. You'll, you probably get the, the, the rogue dude who's like, bro, I could care less. <laughs> right. Like, you're going to always have that. He's going to be the exception to the rule. I think most guys, you know, on those bigger teams, if they're competing for something, would would probably stick it out and play. But a lot of these dudes who aren't in that stuff. Would you I, be with me if you were evaluating two guys? Would you hold the guy differently that wanted to finish the season? Because other They thing, would have to be exactly the same. Right. Because the other thing I think you look at when you become a pro, yeah. there are going to be seasons when you might have a contract here or your team is out of the playoffs. Do you shut it down then because your mindset has always been, I'm going to protect myself over the team? And I think that's a very real issue and that should become part of what it. What is your Leonard Fournette? So like you've had two examples. Christian McCaffrey has an impact in ball. Right. He goes out, puts his body on the line, he's been great. Leonard Fournette has been great, but he well, hasn't shown the willingness to go out and put his body on the line. I was going to touch on that. What was your track record before you sat out the bowl game? Leonard Fournette missed a bunch of games in college right. prior to sitting out the bowl game. Right. Christian McCaffrey played every game. So right. if you have a track record of never really missing practices, never, and I'll do my due diligence, yeah, right? I'm in there asking all of the trainers and the, and the wait staff, is he a dog in the weight room? Like, how does he, you know, once I get my background and I feel confident that that's not who you are, then I'll have no problem taking you over the guy who played in the bowl game if I like you a little bit marginally better. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if your track record suggests that you're going to do that on the regular, then, of course, I'm with you. Yep, for sure. And I think there's no – like Tom, uh, Tom Coughlin, definitely – like I'm shocked that he took a player that was – Not his style, I, huh? Was not his style and didn't play in his bowl game. Like he's old school. Like you're playing with right. your team. And, but, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons it's a bad fit. Welcome back to uh, Canel and Bell. So during the break, we were just talking about – like I was looking at Derwin James. Yeah. Uh, his rookie deal, it's $12.4 I was saying, well, man, that's a big draw off from one to 17 from Baker Mayfield who got 21 signing bonus up front and I remembered I was laughing because I remembered when I was up for the draft and I was doing the same thing and I was meeting all these agents and they were explaining to me the difference like in first round and second round and so like I was doing the math being like oh, every pick that would go by I'd be like man well there goes another million or whatever it was and then like by the time it was like fourth round it's yeah. like you're not even in the millions anymore you're like talking chump change at the time it was right. so depressing like it's a draft day is a great experience for a lot of guys wasn't for not me not so much exactly no. me neither as I kept watching it just fall and other dudes go uh in front where'd of you me. wind up going uh, fourth round, 131st pick. Yeah. The Giants. How many days? That's day two. Yeah. Yeah. Day two at the so time. They only on did that. two. Cause it oh. was one, I was just hoping to go first three rounds cause they did all three on the first night. Right. And then it was just the second day. 
and that was a long night. You have a brutal like, night. Like we had, we didn't have a party, but it was like my whole family was there. And like my girlfriend at the time came over and we were all like, Oh, let's get the call. Where are we going? Yeah. And then it was like, are we going anywhere at all? So like, here's at the end of the night. Yeah. Like, how does the night end? Like you got your whole family. So ever, some people got to leave. Right. Like, is it like, Oh, damn. Well, it's like, here, let's pray. Oh, there, <laughs> <you> gotta, right? <laughs> God's in control. No matter what happens, we'll be we're, okay. We'll be okay. I love exactly. it. Um, all right. So Jimmy Butler uh, has been very polarizing from his time in Minnesota throughout his whole career. Sure. Um, but I think there's a question that needs to be asked because all of a sudden he's in Philly. They're having a lot of success. Teammates are raving about him. He's been a great support system for Markel Fultz. Yeah. <laughs> Here he was talking about Markel Fultz. I just want Markel to know that he got everybody in this corner here. We want him to be great. We want him to continue to work. All of the outside noise is just what it is. It's noise from the outside. Uh, I love having him around. I think everybody here loves having him around. So, you know, he's ready to, to get back in here and work. We're all for it. We need the guys. What's he supposed to say? Oh, the guy's a basket case. He hasn't done anything for us. Like, I hope we can move him. No, he's going to say that every single time. I he should. I joke about Markel Fultz in this situation, uh, but I do think that was really genuine. You I do. do. I do. I think, um, you know, there, there are times when you're in a locker room with the guy and the public perception and persona, um, that he portrays or sometimes just the circumstances around him as a player, injuries and stuff like that can get him like this, this, uh, this media, like, perception right that everybody thinks so people think but the guy is a genuinely good dude right like and people really like being around him there's some guys in your locker room you don't like being around right like mark yeah, all the time like if he's a dude that people don't like being around you it's gonna come across or 14 we had 53 there were a lot of guys that didn't get along i believe that markel Fultz is a good dude man i've seen markel Fultz try to train through that injury and i believe that his teammates respect him stuff like that i'm just gonna double down on saying i don't know if it's, if it's as simple as physical rehab so to some degree having guys like jimmy butler and stuff be a support system for him will probably help with the mental hurdle that I think he's going to have to overcome when he comes back because I so, think it's significant. So Jimmy Butler, like full disclosure, I interviewed him one time yeah. for the radio. Yep. And it was a bizarre interview. He was okay. I don't think I asked any really tough questions. It was pretty fluffy. Sure. And one question I asked, I forget what it was, something that was mildly probing. Yeah. And he was like, all right, guys, I got to go. Boom, click. Hung up on the interview. Right. And I looked at my co-host, I'm like, well, that was weird. Like, didn't even, like, give it a cliche. Could have easily. Like, and trust me, it was not hard hit. Correct. And ever since then, I was like, oh, kind of a jerk, you know? Yeah. And then I saw him in Minnesota. I'm like, oh, this is no surprise at all that this isn't working out. I'm curious to see how the long term this plays out because they're winning now. Like, that helps. That helps team chemistry sure. a lot of the time. And, like, does this... Does he rub them the wrong way at any point? Not because now they're loving each other. You're talking about the headband brothers. So they have the headband club. Uh, him and Ben Simmons. They make friendly wagers. There's a couple rules of the headband club. So I'm surprised. Rule number one is Simmons is the lead decision maker. Oh, word. I'm surprised he gave it to the young guy. Yeah, I like that. Only headband guys are involved in any bets that take place. All right. Uh, the bets are decided on collaboratively, which I like that. Headbands race the stakes, literally and figuratively, which is fantastic. J.J. Reddick, that might be my favorite rule is that J.J. Reddick is not allowed. That's fantastic. The Guys, they're never winning a championship with things like this. 
The no, Warriors agree. don't do this. The Cavs totally didn't disagree. do this. They're not winning anything. I totally disagree. This type of corny stuff goes a long way. I think it builds team chemistry. It helps you bond. And I think it helps have some fun in what is an 82-game season. You're you're bored. You're like, oh, we got to do this. It's something that keeps guys together. I agree with both of you. Like we had a, <laughs> we had we had that like mustache thing going on in, in Phoenix one year, and everybody we were in like the midst of like. You know, I don't know, our third season together and it was getting like a little, uh, and that it brought some life to our team. So while I do think this is great for them as a young team, I think it ingratiates himself to the, to the new guys and stuff like that. I do agree with Coca in that as long as they have to do this, like as long as these things, you're not mature enough to probably win a championship. You're not ready yet. And it's okay. It doesn't right. mean you can't be on your way. Um, here's what I'll say to like, there's always, or there's usually a honeymoon period. Right. When someone gets traded, things are going well. Um, Minnesota's having a honeymoon period too. There's all, yeah, you usually see that. The question is, in a month and a half from now, when things settle down, life gets back to normal. It's not a new shiny toy anymore. Like, you know, two months after Christmas, do you still want to play with it? Is it still something that's, that's got like legs? Is this, is this a, a play that we can, that we can play out over like three and four years, which is what they wanted Jimmy Butler for? Let me touch on your Jimmy thing. Cause you know, you know how it, what it's like a day after practice, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I've done my lift. I came in early. I got all my shots up. Get out of here. I, yes, I had to do my, my, I had to go do my required training room visit. We probably had to get, you know, my, my IT bands worked on or something like that. I did my little autograph signing and now I'm headed to the car. Right. And your PR guy grabs you and he's like, Hey, you got to do this interview with Canel and Bell. Right. And you're like, Holy <laughs> crap. All I want to do is go home and eat. Right. Maybe you called Jimmy Butler <laughs> in that true. moment. I don't I know. I agree. I agree. Maybe it was. So maybe I'm reading too much yeah. into that. I would just, I don't know. A little bit nicer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> question could have been better. One quick reaction from you because I think fans sometimes think, Oh, this is unbelievable. According to, um, Keith Pompey, he said, oh, Jimmy Butler's a great teammate. He gave everyone, and I mean everyone, including cooks, the cleaning crews, secretaries, team doctors, and the Sixers basketball operations, a pair of Air Jordans as a thank you gift. And all, he gave out around 67 pairs of Jordans. Dope. What Jordans? What Dope. Jordans? <laughs> what Jordans? Yeah, that would be, that would be important. If they were a little old school, I would like a collector. But he's getting them for free. That's my whole thing. I wish I had got but better it does gifts. Take effort. I wish I had got better gifts as a player. I'm going to be honest. I played with some pretty good daggone players. <laughs> People made a lot of money. I wish I had got some better gifts. You know what Amari Stoudemire got when Shaquille O'Neal came over to the, the Suns? Oh, what, a bottle of wine? A Ferrari, bro. What? He gave the man a Ferrari. See, I'm sitting there like, bro. <laughs> yes. I mean, I know I'm not a stat, but no. But my best gift, I think, I'm trying to recall all the gifts I got. The the Philadelphia 76ers gave us a TiVo when they first came out. <laughs> yeah. Boop, boop. Yeah, it was a TiVo. It was like my best gift ever. Like we didn't get that, gifts. Like that if we, it. no one was giving away stuff. I wish stuff. I would have given better gifts as a quarterback. I gave my yeah. offensive lineman wallets. That's good though. Coach. I mean, look. No, but then like I went and played with Jake Plummer. He gave me TVs. Like, you didn't make what Jake made. That's true. Right. It should all be on a sliding scale. It is scale. on a scale, right? Yeah, like we thought was a little thoughtful stuff. Yeah, I still probably should have done better than wallets. Thanks for listening to Canel and Bell. Download and subscribe to us anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the pod. And while you're at it, you might as well follow us on Twitter at Canel and Bell.